Welcome back to Unwatchable, you guys. I am your host, Chloe Rodriguez. I'm super excited about what we're going to be talking about today. We are going to be talking all about the writing process, how different creative types get their ideas, go through the process of writing, and then decide that their work is complete. Uh, which, spoiler alert, if you're a writer or a creative person, uh, your work is never done. You never <laughs> feel complete. Um, and to help me through that process, I have a very special guest today. It's Mr. Jake Smith. Thanks for having me, Chloe. Oh, no problem. I am so excited to talk to you. You are a fellow writer. Yes. Um, and we actually met at the Second City in Hollywood. In Hollywood, baby. Oh, yeah. Look at us, Hollywood hotshots. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that you would be a great person to go through this with because I'm always fascinated by other people's writing styles and kind of how different writers get their ideas, how they go through things. I, have you ever, like seen like a stand-up set or like read a script and you're just like damn it how did this person like come up with Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. and when we were doing the second city together we were in sketch classes we got to put up a show at the end of the program and you brought in a sketch that i was like (laughs) how did this depraved individual (laughs) come up with this idea You, I remember being in that class, and every time, like, I mean, I loved everyone in that class, mm-hmm. but I feel like, in particular, I always loved your writing so much. Well, thank you. And uh, when you would bring in sketches, especially this one that we're about to talk about, I was always like, damn it, Jake is such a great writer. I was, like, so in love with your writing and your ideas, and you brought in a script for our show about a kid who is so patriotic and in love with America <laughs> that he masturbates into an American flag, which I thought was so amazing. <laughs> I like remember reading that script for the first time in class and everyone just like loving it. And I remember when you chose it to be in the show being like, I can't fucking wait to see how this goes <laughs> It was amazing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> how, so <laughs> I, how the fuck did you come up with the idea of, uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this sketch about this kid coming in an American flag, and then I'm going to make everyone watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So um, that particular sketch, it was actually kind of like a continuation of... Um, we had, uh, there was another sketch I had brought in prior, and it was the same characters, I think, and they were, mm-hmm. um, it was like, uh, the, the, the boy who, uh, ejaculates into the American You're flag. You're being so clinical with this, you like, oh. <laughs> Just so people don't think I'm, like, really fucking nuts, you know? <laughs> um, but this, I, uh, it was like a kid who's, like, in the script, he's, like, 13, but he's, like, really emotionally stunted. And he has conversations with his older brother, who is a uh, uh, a veteran of the war, who has uh, become uh, uh, who has been put into a wheelchair and, and also been made impotent. Um, and they had a conversation about uh, their genitalia. Um, and it's I don't know. I originally that had come from a 
I'm like doing like a well this is from this from this from this with this but it's um I wrote a um my thesis short film for college was essentially about that is these two characters um and specifically this boy who gets addicted to a vape pen that makes his penis larger <laughs> um which was thoroughly shot down by the school I remember when you told us this story and by the way <laughs> I know I put you on the spot with this right off the bat, but that's because, like, I, I, first off, I'm a sucker for, like, dirty, like, I I love a good dick joke. Sure, yeah. But also, when there's, like, an actual purpose for it, it's even better. And I just loved, like, your, because I'm so bad at this. I just loved your, like, ability to come in with something and be like, yeah, like, this is what I came up with. And, like, owning it and being like, I'm putting this up. Like, this is what I want to work on. And I know, like, for myself, I get so caught up sometimes in being like, oh, but my, like, this person's mm. going to see it. And I'm yeah. Like, what if, or, like, what if I bring this in and everyone just thinks I'm, like, fucking insane? And I wish that I had that boldness to own it and be like dude i love this idea like this is fucking great like we're doing it yeah well i won't lie um that a lot of, I, I share many of the same anxieties um about any creative work that i do um uh, you know it it i don't it sometimes it like immobilizes me that's how anxious i get where i'm like yeah. oh my god I, I i what am i doing with my life right now um I know that feeling all too well. (laughs) With those particular ones, for me, the reason was is I felt confident enough about it because it kind of gone through the ringer a few times. Yeah. Um. And I also I think it helped a lot that um I felt I personally felt very comfortable with everyone in our class because I felt everyone in our class was pretty like we all were very like looking out for each other. I don't know if you've experienced it a lot, but I find. Sometimes when you're in these kinds of classes or any Hollywood kind of stuff, people get competitive and there's like a little yeah. bit of like, especially in comedy where it's like you're you're on the same team, but you're also like you yeah. want to kind of like own you're everyone. Like, I want to be the funniest. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't laugh at this person's script too hard because I'm saving all my laughs for my own. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I So I think that being in that kind of environment made it so that I could be a little more like okay I can if I put out something like this I'm not going to be uh you know people aren't going to be like this Jake guy is insane we gotta (laughs) put him down like a dog um (laughs) also um going back to that script you wrote in college didn't weren't you like banned from writing it or something like that um yeah I mean I was essentially I was told by by the the professor in charge who i guess was kind of representing the faculty because i do think the faculty all read it um <laughs> this went all the way to the top yeah <laughs> dick Bateman script <laughs> he basically said like like because moving forward it was like the actual production of of these scripts um uh-huh. in the second half of the year and he basically was like jake i'm not he put it he didn't put it this bluntly but around all the academia talk it was pretty much like jake if if you do this you won't be able to like take this class basically. oh my god i love that i love that so much <laughs> it's i'm, I'm kind of glad because the it that it happened that way because the original script is a i read it recently it's a huge mess it's just yeah. like 
there's all these ideas that just go nowhere and stuff and it's it's for a thing that's supposed to be t- at most 15 minutes and it was like <laughs> it was just expanding and expanding too um, big of a tale to tell yes. in 15 minutes. <laughs> quite literally yes <laughs> oh my gosh but i love that and i <clears throat> i would always look forward every week to seeing what everyone brought in but I feel like, in particular, like you and I really liked each other's work. Yes, very much so. And yes. I would always look forward to seeing what you brought in. You had some fucking great scripts, man. Yeah, well, I I think honestly, I I really liked uh, a lot of your work too because it had a very um, I'm trying to think of the word for a very kind of like stupid. Well, <laughs> I was gonna go for like goofy. I think that's a a nice, but it's like like the the one script you had that. You turned into the sitcom. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My um, my idea was Jesus came back to Earth to appear in a tortilla, and then he lost his ID, so he couldn't get back into heaven. <laughs> and then he and the devil lived together as roommates in Florida. <laughs> yes, I, I that sitcom script I thought was really quite wonderful. Um, oh, thank you. There's a Simpson s quality to it that I really like. Oh, oh my God, that's the highest honor. It, it was thank really, you. it was really quite funny. I, I, I was actually like kind of floored to be honest because I was like, this sh- I'm being. <laughs> it's like, like she's an idiot. <laughs> How did she write this? <laughs> It was like, because I just felt like it, it just felt so, um, like, not professional is not the right word, but, like, it was, like, ready to go, you know what I mean? Like, you could put it on someone's desk, and it's like, all right, you know, Thank let's you. put this on the network. I did not feel like that at all really? after I wrote it. Why is that? Well, okay, so, so this idea, it was originally a sketch that I had written for Second City, and then I had to turn it into an original pilot I was applying to something and I was like I think I could do something with this idea and I, I know we'll get like further into it but do you ever find that like you love an idea at first and you're like this is the idea that's gonna like change my life and then once you start writing it you're like yeah this is the best and then at some point in the script writing process you hit a wall where you're like was this ever good mm-hmm. and I feel like I felt like that Probably when I got into Act 3, where I was like, I know where I want this to go, but now I feel like I've had all these other ideas that I wasn't expecting to have, and now it's like, in my mind, it felt like such a hodgepodge, and then I just got to the end, and I was like, okay, I guess this is the end, like, but it's so hard to judge your own ideas after you've, like, marinated on them for so long. Oh, yes. Absolutely. (laughs) It's it's so hard to be like, was this ever good? Or was I just desperate to just just write something down? Yeah, well, I I can definitely relate to that a lot. Um, There was a, um, there's a quick anecdote. There was a, um, when I first moved out here about two years ago now, Mm -hmm. um, I was unemployed because, you know, I came out here with <laughs> That's no how job. we do it. Yeah. <laughs> Get that sweet unemployment check, baby. Um, but I was, uh, I, that, the first few months that I was out here before I got my job was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to write a, you know, I'm going to really sit down and write a script and, you know, I'm going to like, or maybe even write a lot because I was being like way overly ambitious. Um, yeah. But I, I turned out this horror script. It was like a horror, maybe like a little bit comedy in there. Mm-hmm. But it was, well, the, the whole thing was about like, um, 
this girl is investigating uh, essentially this cop who's a, a cannibal um, who is like was capturing people and like raising them in ways that were like the uh, you know that we would do with like chickens or cows or whatever uh-huh. um, and I, when I was writing it I you know I went through that roller coaster of like at first I was like oh this is brilliant this is really sharp satire and then down to like oh my god i'm an idiot (laughs) but um what i learned very was like i finished the script and then i was like i'm gonna put this on the blacklist Mm -hmm. because i there was not something i'd done before and i was like i'm gonna just uh you know that's that's what writers do they put stuff on the blacklist um i've actually never heard of the blacklist the black yeah the blacklist is a uh it's like it's like screenwriting social media almost Oh shit! That sounds amazing. It's sort of. It's uh, <laughs> you're like, oh, there's a dark side yeah. to it. <laughs> well, because the idea is anyway that it's like, oh yeah, like you put your script up, and then you kind of have to. It's it's pay to play, so you usually have to pay someone to review it. They review it positively, then other people just kind of read it because it like the way the algorithm is or whatever. It's like the high score stuff. People read more. And then usually there's, like, every year they put out, like, a hot 100, basically. Mm -hmm. And then people's scripts are on there. And usually the ones that do the best, um, you know, these are people that are theoretically unsigned by agents or, you know, that are not industry people. And people read those scripts and then go, like, oh, shit, you know, like, I'm going to give you representation. Or, you know, now we're going to buy your script and then Mm -hmm. maybe make it... um, I know that that one movie, for example, Passengers from a couple years ago with like oh okay whatever I forget their names but Chris Pratt yeah that was and, in like development J Law yes I think that to was from her, the blacklist to use her full Christian name yes J-Law. right <laughs> um, but the blacklist is also just a breeding ground of people who are like like there's way it comes almost like a game of like these are these these scripts usually do really well if you write it like this. Mm-hmm. And then also people are more than happy to, like, kind of tear you down a little bit. Yeah. But, um, so it's like a whole culture of that, but, uh, but I did put the script up and I, I, I paid a fair amount of money. They ain't cheap to get a few reviews. Yeah. And it was, what I just grave, grimly discovered was that I, it was not a very good script. Oh, no. And I, I, I was so used to, like kind of like I like going for the rafters with mm-hmm. my work and it usually worked and then this one didn't that I had I was like I freaked out but it was a good lesson for me because it's like uh the more times I get people to look at it before I do something like that the yeah. better um it, you know it it's a confidence drop sometimes because it's like these ideas you're working on or whatever and people are like well i don't it found this boring or whatever and you're like shit like yeah. i fucked up here but but it's also a good opportunity to like if they're like oh this is good then you're like i'm a fucking badass <laughs> i can do whatever i want now yeah it's it's very hard to have your scripts read uh without like any bias coming in mm-hmm. because i know that like you know even when i had you guys read my pilot 
or you know if I have friends who aren't necessarily writers like read my stuff there's still always that bias of like but I like this person and I don't want yes I don't yes. want to look them in the eye and be like this fucking sucks <laughs> so like so whenever I want feedback I'm like Ugh. like I want I want people to be as brutally honest as possible like I want if it's terrible I want people to like put me through the ringer but it's also very hard to find that uh, because no matter who you give it to, they're always going to be coming in with like, if you know them, mm-hmm. a, a layer of bias to be like, yes, I don't want you to think I'm a jerk, but also this isn't very good. <laughs> or maybe it's amazing. But even if someone tells you it's amazing, you're like, I don't believe you. Right. Then it's like, because you're oh, my friend. Yep. And of course you're going to tell me it's amazing. So that's a great idea. I should look into that. Yeah. It's not bad if you... And- you know, I think even like the the sitcom pile, I think would be a good um, something to add to that site. Um, it doesn't help either when the the worst critic you'll ever meet is uh, yourself too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because then it's like I can't tell you how many things I personally have stalled on or just not done because I was like, oh, that's no good, and then I, you know, you have to wonder like, well, maybe what, actually, you yeah. know, maybe it was good and I just was hard, too what hard on myself have been? or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's dive into the very beginning of the process. Okay. Um, now that we've kind of gone through some of our experiences, let's look into how we come up with ideas. Okay. Um, I, for one, take a lot of notes. As you can see, I've written a lot of notes for this podcast. Uh, helps me keep things on track. I know a lot of writers, when they're starting off, they like to do like flashcards or like a color coordinated system to help them like outline and keep their ideas in place. I don't usually go that far, Mm -hmm. but my phone is chock full of notes and I have like journals filled with notes of just anytime I have like a flight or fancy of any type of observation that might be useful one day, I'll write it down and be like, "Yes, chickens are smaller than I thought they would be. <laughs> Put that down. Like, any like, odd idea, I'm like, here we go. Right. Going in the journal. <laughs> Do you have a, a process like that of just like stockpiles of ideas or like, or do you find that you wait until you have a project and then you're like, okay, I'm just going to list shit out. Yeah, I, for me, I, I usually get, like, kind of, like, I don't know, there's, like, a a spark or something in my head of, like, or maybe kind of the same thing, like, I make an observation, and then it, it's just, there's, like, a narrative that starts to weave in my head of, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, based on that idea or whatever, um, and usually, I, to be honest, like, I probably should be a little bit better on note-taking and stuff. But otherwise, what happens is I let it just sit in my head for like a week. And then if I just stop thinking about it and my my rationale is it's like it wasn't really worth doing anyway. But if it's just kind of gnawing at me at the very then it's like, okay, this is like something that I'm in my consciousness or whatever that I've got to like at least put on paper and like really get going. Um, So it's kind of like... mostly again just kind of vague things that kind of become like spider webbed all together mm-hmm. um uh as far as like jokes and stuff i usually again kind of if there's a funny observation i usually just write it down in my in my uh, phone or um there's a, a time when i was writing 
um, I turned my Twitter into just me whenever I was uh, uh, on one, um, just <laughs> people, writing ideas People can not see the hand motion. <laughs> <laughs> As I pretended to, what, how would you describe that? Like Hit a mad blunt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to use the technical term. <laughs> That sometimes, like, I've never used any of those ideas because those are always, like, I'll, I look back and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> do, you, do you often come up with, like, ideas? I mean, do you find that, like, inebriation of any kind helps your creative process? Okay, that's a good question because how do we define inebriation? Is it, uh, cause it are we being on, hepped up on caffeine? Is that inebriation? Ooh, that is a good point. Sure. We'll count, uh... Any type of well, they say caffeine is a drug. So. I, yes, yeah, the Mormon so sure, Church does. We can count that. Um, <laughs> Mormon ch- according to the Mormon Church, yeah. which is what we go by on this podcast. What you're not telling me this is a Adam a Adam Smith podcast. Um, exactly. But yeah, the uh, I would say yes, honestly. Like sometimes I, I it's even like placebo-y, I think, where it's like maybe i'm not super caffeinated in that moment for example but mm-hmm. i'm still a little bit more like energized to kind of get cracking um and i know honestly i've i've read a lot of things about writers maybe not being inebriated but having like weird little things they do like uh the famous german writer goethe i think kept like a rotten apple in his desk <laughs> and it's like he couldn't write unless he had a rotten apple in his desk i don't know why but you know, it worked for him. Uh, That's amazing. It really is. Like, <laughs> I guess maybe the stench of just like a dried up husky old apple is like, ah, this is hitting the spot. Now I can, you know, write Faust or whatever. Well, it's interesting that you bring it up because I've actually written down some techniques that have been used by mm. famous writers to kickstart their creativity or combat writer's block. Um a lot of these people are like novelists or poets, um, although I did throw Aaron Sorkin in there. Hey, so, there you woo! Go. <laughs> um, so Aaron Sorkin, a writer from the West Wing, says that he acts out a lot of his dialogue um, and a lot of his scripts, which when I'm writing a script, I do that all the time. Like, yeah. I don't do it for sketch per se, but when I'm writing for characters for a series... I find that it really helps me get into the mind of, like, the characters. Um, yeah. Which is something that Aaron Sorkin does, apparently. So I'm a genius, <laughs> just like him. Uh, um, Maya Angelou, she would rent out an empty hotel room um, and take off all the artwork from the walls. She would, like, instruct that they, like, not change the bed sheets or anything like that. Like, an untouched room, essentially. Um, to help her focus. Wow. Dan Brown, author of The Da Vinci Code, he talks about how when he's struggling with writer's block, he will hang himself upside down. Whoa, okay. <laughs> Holy <laughs> he, shit. He thinks better upside down. Um, Victor Hugo, author of um, Hunchback of Notre Dame and Les Mis, he used to write naked. Because he felt that if some, like, he would instruct people to take his clothes from him, like, hide his clothes, and then he would strip naked because he found that it was like a combat to being distracted because he couldn't leave his house because he didn't ah, have any clothes. I see. So he would have to be at home writing 
which genius. I got to try That's that. Quite fascinating. <laughs> um, and Hemingway, of course, was known for abusing the bottle. Yes, <laughs> his, his, his way of doing it. Um, and I found an interesting quote for, from Hemingway where he said that when he needed an idea to start off with, he would always start with writing one true sentence. So hmm. start with a statement that you know to be true and work from there. Which, That's interesting. That, yeah, that is very interesting. Um, yeah, when I was going through all these, I was like, well, these people are obviously contributing more to the world of <laughs> writing than I ever will. But Their ways of getting out of writer's block is just more creative yeah, than mine. <laughs> that's so interesting. It's funny because I will have ideas for things that I get really excited about and I want to work on them and I'll start. And as soon as I hit a wall where I'm like, eh, I'm not interested in this anymore, I will just like stop that idea. Mm. Cold turkey, which is not the best way to go. Probably not. <laughs> and, then, and then later, if I'm like assigned something like for my sketch class or I have to create a like the pilot that I pulled from for from that sketch um I will go back into my old ideas and be like okay this halfway done script is it actually worth completing like Mm -hmm. could this be something that I turn into something or should I just leave it as is Mm. um and I think a lot of my writing process is starting projects and then not finishing them until I have to (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's a, a good motivator right there. I think half of writing is just motivating yourself to get something Honestly. done. I mean, I always find that, like, when I'm talking to other writers, we're like, the worst part of writing is actually writing. Yes. I hate, <laughs> I hate sitting down and writing. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sucks, actually, a lot of the time. Because <laughs> it's, it's where the most work, actual work happens. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's... I think people who are not like in the creative world think it's like oh you you know you just sit down and do it and that's it and it's like you know there's a lot of like there's the the finer logistical points of structuring and then you know making you know the right balance of tone and stuff and then just having to it's like well I'm halfway done and I'm I'm running out of steam like yeah what else do I got kind of stuff um yeah there's a <laughs> there's a lot to it um <laughs> And it can be kind of a, a, a brutal chore sometimes. Yeah. So I'm an extremely anxiety-ridden person. Mm-hmm. As am I, yeah. Do you find that that plays into your writing process? It does, 100%. 100%. Um, I mean, sometimes it's good, but sometimes, like, for me, I just... Recently, I was working on a project with someone else who kind of flaked out on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I was almost agonizing on this thing because I was like... I was trying to so hard to make it like good and like mm-hmm. sitting there every line and then it became like this spiraling of like oh my god is you know is this actually good enough am i like you know that kind of thought process like i don't want to show anyone this ever i'm embarrassed almost yeah. i'm ashamed um there's actually a, a a film writer who and director that i love whose name is uh, todd salance and he's a very self like hating kind of person uh-huh. but I, he he said something along the lines of like uh every like um every script or whatever i make i'm i'm really embarrassed by mm-hmm. and the the point would like i don't remember the exact quote but he's like he says that's a good thing because it's like a lot of like art and especially comedy i think should be yeah. very kind of vulnerable 
you know, because you're tapping into, like, you know, at the very least something that's going on inside of you. Um, yeah. And uh, not all the time, obviously, but, you know. Um, and that that's something I've learned more recently, too, that makes... To me, that makes good comedy is being able to tap into that kind of, uh, not maybe not your own, but the character's vulnerability and stuff. Um, yeah. So that that's kind of like that little teeny tiny bit of motivation for me to sometimes like, all right, like I'm, I think this sucks and I'm, I want to like kill myself, but you know maybe someone else will go like, oh, this ain't half bad. And yeah. I'll like be like just oh. in a sweaty mess, being like, thank the Lord. <laughs> I relate to that so well. Oh my gosh. Because I, I use it sometimes as, like, a motivation of being, like, the only way to stop this crippling oh, anxiety nice. that you're feeling is to just finish the goddamn script. And, like, hmm. and I find that, so I'm, I'm at uh, UCB right now doing some sketch writing mm. classes. And I found that every time I come in with a script where I'm like, this is the best script anyone's ever written. No notes will be my verdict. <laughs> <laughs> I go in and it just gets like eviscerated. Wow. And then when I come in with something and I'm like, I have spent like so long going back and forth on this shit. Like, I know it's going to fail. This is going to be the worst <laughs> thing I've ever written. They'll be like, okay, solid work. I'm like, what the <laughs> no, fuck? No. <laughs> 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 I'm killing myself over here. Hey, Jake. What's up, Chloe? <laughs> um, Are we going to get really close to the microphone? Yeah, first? I was thinking of doing this NPR style. Oh, yeah? We'll do an, well, I was thinking like an ASMR type <laughs> of ad read. <laughs> I'm going to do it like they do on NPR, like... And uh, oh my God. the new culture fair at downtown Los Angeles is really great. <laughs> well, Jake, now that you've been on the podcast, I have one question for you. What's that? Would you sponsor me? I don't know. Can you uh, sell anything? This just sounds like we're <laughs> like... <laughs> We're like half asleep for him. <laughs> We're going to bed. <laughs> yeah, good night. Um, yeah. Um, well, I do a segment on here where you give me a product or a brand or anything, and I will improv an ad read right here, right now, so that I can prove to future investors that I'm a great fucking sellout. Perfect. Well, I think I've got the perfect thing, uh, especially with regards to future investors oh, absolutely. Uh, the hot thing right now i would say is cryptocurrencies so i was wondering if you could do an ad on the biggest one of them all bitcoin perfect <laughs> <laughs> okay um a bitcoin ad read here we go oh no i have so much money just lying around my house what am i gonna do with all of it I don't want to donate it to charity. A savings account? Pfft, you're out of your goddamn mind. Guys, has this ever happened to you? This is a problem that millions of Americans are facing every day. Stockpiles of money just taking up space unnecessarily in your home. Well, until today. Because I'm here to tell you guys about Bitcoin. Not only will Bitcoin help you... Uh, convert all of those piles of money into digital money mm -hmm. but 
it's like a fun and exciting way to to try to build up your financial portfolio. Are you going to make thousands and thousands of dollars? Are you going to lose your life savings and everything you've ever worked for until ultimately you have to sell everything and lose your house and be out on the street? You don't know. That's why you get Bitcoin. Because you are obviously a person who is looking for some excitement. Why not play Russian roulette with your finances, guys? <laughs> I'm talking Bitcoin here. All you have to do is go online to the Bitcoin internet hub of the world, Bitcoin.com, and uh, sign up. Go to the bank. Give them all your money. Say, I want Bitcoin. They'll say, we don't do that here. You say, figure it out. And then next thing you know, you got all your investments tied up in Bitcoin. Guys, this is perfect for anything you might need. Uh, are, you, are you looking to not really quite know what's going on or how things work? Bitcoin. <laughs> are you looking to... Uh, free up some some space in your mind not even worry about all the piles of money you have to wade through as you're trying to get to your fancy kitchen with remodeled backsplash bitcoin <laughs> are you looking for a conversation starter at parties and a way to make yourself look really pretentious and a fancy wall street type bitcoin guys if you are looking for all this and more bitcoin is the product for you Go online, figure it out, because I'm not going to tell you this is all part of the fun, and figure out how to convert everything to Bitcoin today. Trust me. These are the finances of the digital age. <laughs> are you okay, Jake? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and thank you for that. <laughs> Moving into the actual like writing process, do you find that outlining helps or do you just like dive right in? A hundred percent. I used to be a dive right in guy. Uh-huh. And as I've grown older and I've just done this more and I failed at it more, um, what I've discovered is that the more I outline and the more stuff that like I put into the outline, the more it'll be like it's it's in a in cooking there's the term a uh, mise en place which is like it's essentially like you you've diced up all the cucumbers you've done whatever it's all set up and then all you have to do is just throw it together and cook it mm -hmm. for me that's like the the philosophy i approach it as like if i figure out all the mistakes if i have the structure right if i do all that right at the very beginning in just the outline then the rest of it will almost write itself yeah um which is it's been a very a tough pill to swallow. I don't know why, because I think I've always been in the depression, like that, in like a egotistical way. I could just, you know, be like, "All right, it's time for me to write," and I'll just be like, "All right, yeah. I wrote it, done. I don't even need to edit yeah. it. I don't even need to look the at words it. It's just genius." Flowed through yes. my fingertips. I was all of a sudden the heavens opened, yeah. and I was blessed. <laughs> A gift from God on high that I just—I never need to read this again. I know it's one hundred percent completed. And it's just oh, it's so bad because it's like it—it's for me. I always think of like like the amount of time I've wasted just being like, oh, this is genius, and then it look just even looking at it like. I don't even need to read the words. I can just look at the page and be like, wow, I can tell this is not genius. Like, <laughs> this is fucked up. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I'm a huge I'm a huge proponent now. Outlining, outlining, outlining. 
Yeah, I, I used to not outline as much. I think for like for sketches, I don't really outline. I'm just like, let's just yeah. throw this all up here and see where we go. See where it takes us. Yeah, I um, agree with that. I mean, because to be honest, sketch writing is a lot quicker than... Yeah, it's a little more <laughs> one and done. Because it's only like three to five pages. And if it sucks, you're like, I can easily scrap this and start all yes. over again. <laughs> but if you do that with like a half an hour or even like an hour length, script yeah you're like fuck i will ne- i'm never starting this over like this is it's now or never <laughs> yeah god forbid a, a fucking like feature oh oh god that's I... when it's like oh my i just that's why that's like i fucked up where it's like if you write the whole script that this the script the blacklist thing and people kept telling me about structure and i looked at it and it was like man this is a mess and i really i can sit down and just rewrite everything like literally just start page yeah. one but it's like how miserable is that you know i mean for real it's like i don't want to do that that sucks like that's just more time and energy into something you don't even know is gonna come out good yeah i think it's funny because the joy of writing is like the very beginning when you're like i have this great idea i can't (laughs) wait to work on it and then the very end where you're like i'm done like uh which (laughs) like i'm I'm done i feel like i went somewhere with this like let's read it over And then the middle part where you're actually making it is just torture. Horrible torture. (laughs) Because so much, like, I I think, like, when you have, like, that project, like, that project is, like, a part of you. Like, that project is, like, your thing. And Mm -hmm. I know, like, for me in particular, I get very hung up on word choice. I am, like, I'm not the kind of person, because I feel like, I, I mean, everyone has a different style, obviously. I know some people, when they make, like, a first draft, they're just like, you know what? It's, like, a glorified outline. Like, I'm just going to write this first draft just so that I have, like, a full structure, a whole narrative together, and then I'll go back and, like, I'll tweak it. Mm -hmm. But for me, I, like, with my first draft, I scrutinize from the very beginning. Oh, Like, I'm like, like, what's the best word choice here? And if I can't think of the right word choice, I don't write any, like, word down. I just, like, leave it blank or something because I just can't, like, I know that if I get to the end of that first draft and there's, like, it just feels rushed to me, I'm never going to go back to it because I'm going to be so discouraged. Mm -hmm. Which makes writing a first draft for me so time-consuming I, I feel like uh, I consume all my time on that first draft and then knock out like my other drafts quicker because I still have like a skeleton of stuff that I like. Yeah. Whereas like, I mean, people who are probably more efficient than me <laughs> um, <laughs> will just throw things into a first draft and then rework it a lot in like their second, third, fourth, yes. whatever. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, it's a... <sighs> I'm, I gotta agree because I'm in I'm in the same boat where it's like I me mean, and I don't it's I have to wonder if even people would notice you know mm-hmm. where it's like I'm sitting there like it's like in you know in the action slug line I'm like oh yeah like the um uh you know oh I gotta be more you know the this one word is gonna help you know set the scene and set an image and it, then people read it and they're like they just don't even care you know what I mean it's like this thing I would have agonized over for however many minutes or hours or whatever and someone's like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah very good all right you know 
let's move on to the next thing. And you're like, oh my God, like, <laughs> did I just waste a bunch of time? You're like, but did you notice that yeah. I used only hard K sounds? Because <laughs> they're proven to be the funniest consonant sounds for joke telling. Did you, did you notice that? <laughs> What about that? Uh, what about that reference that I threw in to that? Movie yes, from oh, even 19, worse. 1938 <laughs> that no one gets but me. Did anyone else catch? Anyone that? see that? <laughs> <laughs> it has similar themes, and yeah. then they're just like, yeah, okay, whatever. Well, that's a, a, a kind of a, a, a good, um, I guess, point or whatever. Is it's like if you just show your script to some someone random, you know, who has who can read. Um, <laughs> They, hopefully, yeah, hopefully. The base, base record, pre <laughs> baseline record. Way to read it is, I guess, like Literally. being able to sit there and be like, kind of cut through the the bullshit we are always just thinking about. I don't know if it's necessarily bullshit, but you know, because they just want to know, like, well, just you know, does the protagonist character get what they want? Is a you know fun story or whatever like they're not they're not sitting there all thinking like wow he really pulled from voltaire on this one <laughs> wow <laughs> Ooh, color me impressed <laughs> like nobody like i i always i always try to send um like you know big projects to my mom because she's like this is no disrespect to my mother but you know she's not out here thinking like you know oh you know like I have all these literary things or whatever. She's very yeah. like, like a normal person. Yeah. So like, if she reads it and she's like, yeah, you know, I found this part kind of, I just found it kind of boring or whatever. That to me is like, okay, that's, you know, that anyone you know would think that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that would be a consensus opinion. Um, you yeah. know, it hasn't worked all the time necessarily because <laughs> she's my mother, so she's not going to be like Jake. You know this sucked and is trash and garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's it's important to try to look at your work from the audience's perspective. I think I wrote that down. It's um essentially I I was reading a lot of stuff about how um different comedy writers like basically comedy writers giving advice for how best to like be able to just like pump out different scripts because when you become a comedy writer and are like actually getting paid and it's your job mm-hmm. like you have to be able to just like bust shit yes. out <laughs> in a week um and the three pieces of advice that everything boiled down to was one finding your voice like yes your yes. distinct point of view as a person your distinct like writing style um which just comes from doing it more and more mm-hmm. um the second one is find your audience um so i I read an article and Michelle Wolf was talking about how when she was a writer for Seth Meyers, she would write these really like jokes that she thought were really great. But then she realized that her writing them sounded so different than when a white man right. was delivering them. <laughs> yes. And so she had to modify how she was writing so that like, like a joke could land if she told it, but probably wouldn't come across well if Seth Meyers right. was doing it um, just because of their different stations in the world. And I think that that's basically what we were just talking about is, you know, what is, like, who are you writing this for? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third was something that I definitely need to work on, and that's broadening your skill set. 
and mm, yeah. broadening your interests so that you have just more knowledge on different random topics that you can write on. Yes. Um, there's so many different like narratives out there and like different types of stories that you should have some kind of a background or at least be able to uh, quickly pick up on different things. Um, which is something that I'm trying to improve on right now because I hate politics, but I'm trying to immerse <laughs> myself more in them so that when there are political references made or when I have to write something political, instead of just being like, fuck, like, right. I hate this, I can try to broaden my scope and like give myself a chance yeah. to learn something about something I have no idea. Yeah. There's, and I also think just like random little things. There's been so many things where I'm like, huh, I learned how to weave when I was like, it, I took this random basket weaving class when I was six. So now <laughs> wow. I can like, let's pull from that basket weaving class Perfect. and like, <laughs> <laughs> put that in a script. And it just makes it more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Those are great pieces of advice. I mean, especially the experience. There's a, um, a film critic I follow who uh, I follow mostly just because he's very uh, strange. Mm -hmm. He's a uh, he's a gay black conservative mm -hmm. who, and it's not so much now because he mostly is like since Trump won, he kind of his mind snapped a little. He just <laughs> any movie that has even a semblance of like 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 liberal rhetoric, quote unquote, he'll mm -hmm. just trash it like right off the i don't even think he sees half the movies at uh -huh. this point it's just like oh this one actor is kind of liberal so i'll just you know write it off as that <laughs> but he said like he had a very harsh uh thing that he said which was that um uh, you shouldn't be making movies until you're like 40 mm -hmm. which is like really i mean that's a long fucking time to not but it, I, I understand the idea is it's like you need to kind of experience life yeah, because it's like I I see it a lot where people more so in like college were trying to write stuff that was like like you had mentioned it's like I don't know about scientists or whatever just you know these melodramatic screeds that were like and my all it's just I always felt whenever reading or watching these things was like you just have no you have no clue what that's like like yeah. you're some college schmo who's like you know everything's hunky-dory and you're writing these like you know agonizing pieces on like poverty or whatever it's like mm -hmm. you just don't know i'm sorry like and i think it just it it's good as a person even in general to be able to be like you know i've experienced these things in life and i can not only just to pull from but it's like um you know generally enriching as well yeah which I think is kind of important as not not even just as an artist but as a, a human being as well. That's funny that you bring that up because I'm like thinking back to this project that I wrote um, in college. <laughs> like, you can already tell it's gonna be bad. <laughs> well, okay, I, not to say that you have to experience everything. No, of course that you, not. Yeah, you're writing about firsthand. But I remember I was trying to write this script about this like I think it was like this like 50 year old woman going through a divorce or something. And at the time, I don't think I had been through, like, even, like, a rough breakup at that point mm. in my life. And so I look back, I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking? Because, like, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm obviously not a 50-year-old divorcee, but I hadn't even, like, experienced anything along those lines. 
So we couldn't even write from like the perspective of someone who's like experienced a break in a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. which i mean to be honest i think that script was okay but i think like i it would have been even better if i had had some experience in that sense or if i had sought out somebody who did and like had consulted with them and like pulled from their emotional experiences Mm -hmm. um which is something that they they always talk about now with diversifying your writer's room Yes, yes. Because different people have different experiences. And even if you, you know, even if you're writing a script about someone whose life you, like, don't share an experience with, you can always consult with other people and, like, pull from those other writers around you and, like, draw from other people's experiences Mm -hmm. and, like, listen. And I think a big part of writing is just, like, exploring life. Yeah, 100%. And... So you should surround yourself with people who've lived different <laughs> lives than you. Yes, yes. Um, so true. Especially like, I mean, I'm. You know, here's an interesting thing. I was reading a. Um, uh, I've been, by the way, watching a lot of Simpsons recently, which mm-hmm. is why um, I've been choice. mentioning them a lot. Yes, <laughs> for the most part. For the most part, it's a good choice. Um, <laughs> but uh, something very interesting was um, kind of around the point when the Simpsons like. Like, not, like, before it went necessarily bad, but before it went, like, right at that, like, the the turning point, if you will. Like, when it started to, like, go away from the golden era of what we all know and love and was started a little bit more into, like, well, this isn't nearly as funny or nearly as creative. Um, You know, obviously, a lot of the the people who are, you know, heavily involved in The Simpsons had moved on to Futurama at that point, but... There was a writer on the show who's um, became kind of like the head writer, but um, reading his interview was shocking because not only did he almost brag about not knowing like all the characters and stuff, mm-hmm. like he was like he couldn't tell the difference between Rod and Todd, which is an understandable like thing that you might not be able to get, but it's also like you're, like top writer on this thing like yeah it's understandable if you're like an audience member. right <laughs> but if you're the fucking writer you know it's like you're you're, you're in control running the universe yeah. of the show and like he you know they had just a total disregard for matt Groening's like there's like rules that you know it's like this character should always do this or whatever and they just mm-hmm. whatever but they were he not only did he say that there's like no women on who write for the show he almost was like i'm kind of glad it's that way because it's like a boys club and all this stuff it's shocking to read oh my God. this was written in like 1998 so obviously it's a different time quote unquote but it's like <laughs> it's very strange and it's because it's like like my dude like comedy is not like just about like junior bros being like yo wouldn't this be funny it's like <laughs> you know like you said it's like it, it's about kind of discovering all those uh things you might not have uh, known in life um just very str- very strange yeah. that he would uh brag about that i think if that were more publicized now i think that would be a very oh yeah very bad absolutely <laughs> oh twitter would love that oh my god yeah he, that guy would get just destroyed <laughs> i think um something that was really prevalent in the early simpson days and in a lot of really great sitcoms is I mean, at least to me, like an element of heart. Yeah. Like, I think I think um, there was a time period where like 
that was kind of lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Like, so at the beginning of The Simpsons, there was always like this rule of like, we want to show like a real family and like even as ridiculous and like over the top as we make the humor of this show, like at the core of it, we want it to be like about a family and there needs to be like a semblance of love there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that might have gotten lost a little bit oh, yeah. later <laughs> as the show progressed. But I think there I think there was a time period where it was like that and I think it's starting to come back in style more. I hope so. And when I look back at shows that are from like the last decade that are really good, shows like Community mm-hmm. or like The Office or Parks and Rec, like they're not necessarily like all cynical. I think people are kind of getting sick of the whole like just cynical yeah, comedy thing i hope so um and i mean as like a community like community is ridiculous and it has like some dark humor and, oh, yeah. and stuff like that and a lot of it is about just like human beings and how like fucked up we are but there's also like a lot of heart in that central friend group and like a lot of like love and admiration yeah. for each other yeah. that is like really like really comes to the forefront in that show and i, I think a lot of shows are starting to be like that more um and this is such a side tangent but yeah i think i it, it's true i think and it just i i think more than anything it's, it's good comedy i don't think like i think people get so hung up on like oh i've got to make people laugh all the time and it's yeah. like to me good comedy is also very much about trying to um you know explore you know if on a political way more taboo stuff and then just as a you know like as a human just exploring things like you know loss and sadness and anger like these things that you know we deal with all the time but might not be able to articulate um and i think that just was what makes part of what makes good comedy and then of course you know relationships too i think yeah you know really help out a lot and all of that comes from, like, drawing from life experience. And, yeah. Like, the life experiences of others. Definitely. Um, so let's end this off with the age-old question, how do you know when your writing project <laughs> has reached its end? When And, uh, and what are you going to do with it? Oh, yeah. Those are two great questions, actually. And they're, like, the hardest they really- <laughs> to answer. <laughs> they really are. Um to be honest, I mean, to me, it's like, the first one's a little bit more tough, because it's like, the, the usually I, I do, when I write something, it, I do usually have like, there's like a, a quote-unquote reason, like mm-hmm. there's a little bit of like, even if I'm just doing it for myself, it's always like, well, you know, I have these avenues that I know of that I can take it down, mm-hmm. you know, I can maybe film it myself, or you know, send it off to a competition or try to get a job with it that will inevitably turn you down. Um, <laughs> that's Hollywood, baby. I feel that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, the but how do I know it's done? Is it's just like, I don't know, because I don't know how to answer that, honestly. Cause I hit the required page count. <laughs> kind of, I mean, because it's like, I mean, you could sit like do the thing where like, oh, you know, you always want to make edit it and stuff, but it's like there comes a point when you're like, you're just spending too much time editing, mm-hmm. or like, you can only show it to so many people before it becomes like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but like I've 
I had like a script that has um, done me well, quote unquote, where it's like I won some awards with it. I even I even made some money with it, which is Ooh. incredible. I could say that in my time of writing, I've made, which is like, I don't know, almost like at of graduate college like a few years ago, like four, three, I don't remember, mm-hmm. twenty five right now. Um, like I've made three hundred dollars <gasps> off of writing. Oh my gosh, that's three hundred dollars more than I've made. So <laughs> well, I could pay my I could pay all my rent with that three hundred dollars. <laughs> um, but it's like I've written, I wrote this script, and you know it's done well enough, but. It be like I I spent so much time editing and stuff, but I kept I would send it off, and then it would be like, you know, one contest or whatever would be like, well, we like this element, you know, element X, but maybe not so much element Y. That could be developed more. But then the other people say, you know, yeah. you know, element Y is spot on, but element X needs a lot of work. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, shit, like, what do I do? And I think there could just there just comes like a natural point when you just like. For me, anyway, when I throw up my air, hands in the air and go like, "All right, fuck it, <laughs> it's done." Like I, I can't do anything more with yeah. this. Um, the sketches and stuff, I always kind of like you said, were a little bit more like I was kind of almost pumping those out a bit, where I'm like, yeah. "All right, I'll just get it out." You know, does this seem funny enough? All right, sure. Yeah. But um, for a lot longer projects, it's always just been more like just looking at it and be like all right i'm i'm thoroughly sick of this like i will shoot myself if i have to (laughs) like even look at this again yeah that's a great point because i think a a thing that people struggle with when they're not used to it is how to take criticism of their work and like use it in a constructive way um I I think it's important to remember that like just because someone gives you a note it doesn't mean that you have to use it. Yes. And also, just because someone gives you a note doesn't mean that your work is terrible. Um, and I, I see it a lot. I've seen it a lot in classes. I mean, because, I mean, I, I did theater and stuff all through high school, and you get used to rejection. So, like, yes. <laughs> like being rejected and, like, critiqued is not something that I really struggle with. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have found that, like, I'm cool with taking criticism, but for a lot of people, they take it personally, and I've seen it a lot in different classes, like in in college and stuff like that, where people will like get so defensive over a part oh of God. their work, <laughs> and like the whole class will just be spent being like, "No, it's important that this is set in the Walmart deli section," right. and they like they like fight over it for like forty five minutes, and at the end of the day, it's like, "Bro, fine if that." If that's the most important part of your script to you, that it's set in the Walmart deli section, then don't fucking take it out. But also, (laughs) like, also, though, like, have the introspection to be like, is it really important that it's set in the Walmart deli section? Or is that just something that I came up with and now I'm attached to it? Yes, yes. So you definitely have to get used to, like, receiving a note graciously and being like, okay... Is this still like going to help me achieve my overall message? Yes. Because yes. some people, I mean, some people who are critiquing your work, they might not have the same idea for it, like the same overarching idea for the message that you're trying to get across. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, and you feel like their note is going to completely change it for you and ruin it, then you don't have to take that note. 
100%. But you also have to be like, okay, why is that? Like, why is this person telling me to change it? Is it like, is it going to be helpful? Am I not getting my point across? Mm-hmm. Am I just being stubborn about this for no reason? <laughs> or are they maybe trying to like shift it in a way that I don't want to shift it? These are all possibilities. And I think, I think that's like a hard part of when you're getting to the end of the piece being like, well, am I going to take this out because someone told me to take it out? Or am I going to... Am I going to keep it in just because I like it? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, like, you really have to have an instinct to be like, is this a note that I should use or is this a note that I shouldn't? Right. And a good way to feel that out is to not be afraid of the critique and to mm. get a lot of different eyes on it. I always get, um, when, I always get kind of, ner- not nervous isn't the right word, but like, Usually when stuff starts moving into like I'll call it riffing I guess mm-hmm. like which is not bad and and for developing comedic scripts and stuff that's great sometimes but mm-hmm. it's always like to me like when I'm getting a work critiqued I'm maybe it's just cuz I, I like stuff that's very like professional but it's like when stuff starts riffing to me that's like okay there's new ideas being generated on top of this piece that has ideas already in yeah. it and then that becomes like it, I always get like not wary of it, but like okay, well, I'm probably not going to use this stuff because it's like it's compounding to everything. Yeah. And if I were to actually integrate it, um, then it becomes an issue of like, well, now nah, I just got like just even more shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not necessarily bad shit, just more more stuff is just being packed onto it. And I usually think that it's more about getting rid of shit you know what i mean like yeah. trying to get like you know I, I i remember jerry seinfeld said something about like he spends all his time like i, I know we also discussed the the uh, uh issues of you know of the perfect word mm-hmm. uh but i mean in stand-up he was like i want to i cut down words all the time and try to get it as like to the point as fast yeah. as i can um because it's just uh, for stand-up, obviously you want that perfect cadence and timing and stuff. And I think for writing too, even it's like the more you take out, the more you make stuff snappy and get to the point. I think it's just a little bit more, uh, you know, that's a, a sign of quote unquote strong writing rather yeah. rather than weak writing. Um, so that's always kind of my mindset of like, all right, what shit can I take out right now? Yeah, absolutely. I think. I think essentially what it boils down to is leaving your ego at the door, which is so hard. Uh, so hard, dude. So hard as a writer because you're so invested. Like, these people who are critiquing you or reading your script presumably have not spent as much time right. <laughs> with it as you have. And it can be really hard to let that go. But leaving your ego aside and being like, what is the greater good for this script? Mm-hmm. Like, it is the greater good using this person's idea that they've given me permission to put in here um, or changing something or completely rewriting a scene that I loved because it's not working with right. the narrative. And just being able to leave that aside and be honest about what is best for your work. Yeah. It's very hard. Very hard. <laughs> <laughs> An understatement. <laughs> very hard. Yeah. Um but to me I always feel like I've reached the end when I have 
gone over something so much that I'm just like, if I touch this anymore, it's going to go off track from what I wanted. Yes, it to yes, be. that is a great point. And there's always a like, there's always an opportunity. I mean, unless you're turning in the script and producing it that week or something. Mm-hmm. But if you're working on a project for a long time, there's always the opportunity to come back to it a lot later right. when you're not as emotionally invested in it and look at it and like reread it from an outside perspective and then conclude like, it, do I still have my stamp of approval on this? Yes, yes. Um, is it something that I want to reopen? And if not, uh, be like, sweet. All right, so much this for that. This is my thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great point, though. I, I, I see that all the time as advice, and I try to practice it, too, of like, where, you know, maybe after like the third draft, like, you know, closing the, the window on the computer or putting mm-hmm. it in, in a drawer and be like, all right, I'm going to give it like a, at least a week, you know, to really, yeah. I've, I've gone even a month before without even looking at something again. Yeah. I'm like, I just, I need to detach from myself from, you know, this yeah. is no longer like a little baby that's, you know, umbilically corded onto me. This is now just like paper. Yeah. And, and words on a screen <laughs> and avoid the panic moments of like <laughs> the middle of the night where you're like and now i, I need to rename yeah. the lead character <laughs> <Is it good? laughs> his name's anthony now for yeah. no reason because that's gonna really that's gonna change everything about this <laughs> you gotta rein it in <laughs> yeah let it be done if it's done yeah just be like all right fuck it i'm done <sighs> well this was really fun. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. I always love talking to you. And uh, uh, Thank you. <laughs> what a great conversation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. What was that dance? <laughs> that was amazing. No one else will be able to see that because this is audio wow. only. But, you know, what? I need to start filming this. Just hey, there you go. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Take it down a notch. Okay. <laughs> I boosted your ego way too much. Yeah. <laughs> You know, have you walking out of here like, I'm a god now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for coming in and talking to me and evaluating your process, which is always hard to do and is vulnerable in a way because mm-hmm. the creative process is so personal. Um, but this was a lovely time. Yeah, I had a great time. Thank you so much. No problem. Um Thank you so much, you guys. I will see you next time on Unwatchable. Bye.